Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Singapore's most influential radio station. I'm Michelle Martin. Now here's a familiar face. How you doing, Ryan Huang? Hey, Michelle. Glad to be back. Yes, good to see you as well. Welcome back. Hope you're feeling much better. Yeah, I really took it slow last week. You now just uh, walking through the neighborhood a bit more slowly, and I just uncovered a few more gems in my neighborhood in terms of cafes, and we found some <laughs> loose change in my sofa. <laughs> well, that sounds like a very productive week off, I have to say. Yeah, loose change. Mm, you should try it sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I will indeed. Uh, Asia-Pacific markets trading mix this morning following a similar performance on Wall Street on Friday. Tokyo is up nearly 1%. Sydney in the green as well. Seoul trading down half a percent. What is moving markets? Well, let's find out. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Welcome to Market View. We're starting this morning here in Singapore where the Straits Times index finished in the green every single day last week. Banking shares led the market higher. The STI is now up 5% since the beginning of the year, making it one of the best performing markets of 2022. So, Ryan, the Nasdaq, Dow, S&P 500, as well as the major indices, Tokyo, Seoul, Sydney, they're all in the red so far this year. So why is Singapore's blue chip index outperforming? Yeah, good question. So just to give you the colour behind the numbers, you've got the Dow losing 0.9% last week, the S&P 500 and Nasdaq down 0.3%. In contrast, Singapore markets were up 2.4%. In fact, they are at a one-year high right now. And what's really driving those gains, Sain pointed out, the banks did well, so much so that in the past 10 sessions, DBS, OCBC and UOB on average gained 9.8%. And that is amidst the rising tide of interest rates expected with more talk from Fetcher Jerome Powell about how we might be due for more aggressive tightening and maybe even more rate hikes. Right now, the market's talking about four, that's up from around three. And all that just raising expectations that maybe banks will make more money as these profit margins from rates um, help banks. And the other side of it is REITs. You've got REITs also doing well because some investors may be seeing them as a bit of a safe haven play with inflation going up. And the thesis here or the theory here is that inflation possibly could just raise rental rates and maybe even the value of buildings. So that will go up and to some extent help push up the uh, REITs space to some extent. Now, at the end of 2021, analysts were predicting a 10% rise for the STI this year. And now just two weeks into the year, we're already halfway there. So do you think that analysts are starting to revise their predictions? Yeah, that could be a good case to do so. Mm. I am just looking at one of those um, forecasts coming through from RHB and they have an uh, end 2022 target of 3,440. And where we are right now for the STI is 3,290. So we are just 5% away from those targets. And like you pointed out, uh, the STI already has risen nearly 5% year to date. Mm. And we are just 17, 17 days old in 2022. So um, we are, of course, possibly due for some volatility. It could be choppy. So it's not going to be a straight line. So this is something to watch out for in terms of Omicron, in terms of reopening and border restrictions. And of course, what's happening in China, that slowdown could spill over into neighboring countries. So a lot to watch out for. But by and large, you do have a few optimistic factors that could help drive markets higher. And of course, um, what 
RHB is saying is when markets or when borders reopen, which is going to be just a matter of time, that will be the catalyst for markets to push up higher. Yeah, UOB Kehian, really optimistic, expecting an average 29% year-on-year target uh, earnings growth for all sectors except aviation. Now, the STI is starting the week off about 20 points shy of the 3,300 mark. Most analysts' forecasts are for the index to finish the year at around 3,400, perhaps 3,500. And it's also worth noting that the STI has a history of doing well in the first quarter of the year and then stagnating or giving back those gains in subsequent months months. So we'll be keeping a close watch clearly to see if the year of the tiger is going to be different. Okay, Ryan, let's turn to the week ahead. There are three major themes on investor radars that I want to explore with you. Two here in Asia, another in the US. We have economic data emerging from China, a major speech by Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida, and earnings season on Wall Street. So let's start with China. Beijing set to release fourth quarter economic figures this morning around 10 a.m. local time. And analysts are expecting those figures to show that the China economy grew at its slowest pace in one to two years. So I have two questions for you, Ryan. Let's start with this one. Why is China's growth so slow? And then perhaps we can move to why this might be good news for investors. Yeah, there's just a bag of problems going on for China right now. So you've got what's happening in the property sector. Also, what's happening in the supply chain, supply chain disruptions. That's also weighing on many companies. And the surging commodities prices, that is also adding more problems for businesses in terms of what they are planning for investments, in terms of activities, something curbing their production because of rising costs. So all that just contributing to a bit of a moderation expected in the last quarter of 2021, where we are looking out for a consensus forecast of 3.6%. So that will be slower than the third quarter's 4%. And that will be um, something that we will see as the slowest quarter in more than a year. So for 2021, that will come in for growth at 8%, even though it's going to be the strongest number in around a decade, but that's going to be due to base effects due to what happened in COVID-19 2020. So something to chew on to see what type of... um, measures that might come into place once we get the numbers. Sticking with China, the country's biggest and most stable property developer is reportedly having trouble raising funds. Now, that company is called Country Garden, and recently its dollar-denominated debts took a beating. We'll get into the why in a moment, Ryan, but first, give us a quick overview of Country Garden's business. Yeah, Country Garden is actually China's largest developer by contracted sales. So, this is a position they took over from Evergrande in 2017 and they employ more than 200,000 people so it is one of the biggest players if not the biggest and um, what happens to Country Garden has many ripple effects because they employ many companies and many vendors so it does have a dominant effect if things don't go well for um, Country Garden. Mm-hmm. So why is Country Garden's debt now trading at 69 cents on the dollar? And really is this weakness heightening concerns of contagion? Yeah, you have to also bear in mind that Country Garden is one of the few uh, remaining large, better quality private developers. Mm-hmm. Um, they have not been in, well, they have not been on naughty list as much as Evergrande, so to speak. So they even though did not do as much wrong as Evergrande, they are also suffering from the jitters that have been panning out in the industry. So that is a sign that 
investors are just worrying, selling first and asking questions later. So it's affecting not just the bad companies, but also the good companies. And when that happens, uh, that is a big red flag that, hey, maybe um, it's going to be a sign of contagion where you might see mm. no things spiraling because mm-hmm. these things can just spiral. It can be a, a self-fulfilling prophecy where people just continue to put stress on a company and then that in turn puts cash flow problems on the company which in turn leads to another problem and so on and so forth. So it does have that impact or potential impact for Country Garden. So something to look out for for further signs of stress on its um, balance sheet. With so many Chinese developers facing debt issues and China cracking down on the property sector, many analysts are wondering how the sector will emerge. So one opinion that caught my eye in Bloomberg this morning is that the era of high growth rates in Chinese property is over and that investors should really be looking for more utility like regulated returns in future. Okay, Ryan, let's turn to our second investor radar point this morning. Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida is set to address the country's parliament this afternoon at 3 p.m. Singapore time. Kishida is expected to give more details about his new capitalism policy, a framework that is already setting him apart from his predecessor and which markets, frankly, don't seem that thrilled about. Can you tell us why? Yeah, that is because he has not had a good track record. So Mm -hmm. every time he talks about some policies, the Nikkei 225 has not reacted well. So he is due to give more details of his new capitalism policy framework. So this is where he's going to be outlining more of his ideas. And so far, what he has done already or given a preview of um, what's going to be coming are things like taxes on financial capital gains. And to give you some colour, what happened after he gave that preview, mm-hmm. we saw the Nikkei 225 falling for eight straight days. So looking at what he also said, was a possibility that he might regulate corporate share buybacks that then prompted the Nikkei 5 to briefly drop 1.2%. So if you've got a case of maybe uh, an issue or challenge managing communications with the markets and also what he's trying to do, um, he is by and large trying to distribute what he calls uh, make a better distribution of the fruits of growth in Japan. So that can be seen as maybe and just spreading it out more evenly by taxing the rich and giving out to the other parts of the population. So that can have um, a bit of a knee-jerk reaction when it comes to some things like stock markets. So it will be closely watched because um, we've got a hashtag going on, Kishida Shock Trending on Twitter, and that's when his comments shake up the market. So we'll see if this um, hashtag continues to trend. Kishida Shock, huh? That's what it's called. Kishida took office in October and in the race to lead Japan's ruling Liberal Democratic Party, during that race, he suggested that he might hike Japan's capital gains tax and that sparked eight straight days of selling on the Tokyo Exchange. So we'll keep a close eye on Kishida's speech today and the market's possible reaction. Next up, the United States. The U.S. markets are closed this evening for a public holiday. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. But analysts and investors are looking ahead to a busy week of corporate earnings. What's on the calendar? 
All right, on the earnings calendar, I am looking out for more banks. And last week, you might remember a bit of a disappointing outing for banks, which reported uh, due for various reasons. Uh, some of them because of missed expectations, some of them just missing outright. Uh, look at shares of Netflix to be in action this week, and that will be on Thursday. And one thing to watch is how much of a rise they get or benefit from the um, hike in some of their subscribe subscription rates in places like Canada and the US and how much some shows like Money Heist, The Witcher, Emily in Paris have helped <laughs> boost their numbers. So we'll see how sustained or sustainable those numbers can be because like many parts of um, the rest of the world, people are going back to the office so they can't watch and work at the same time anymore. So no more multitasking and that could be a dent for Netflix. So that's on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, coming up, on Tuesday, that's going to be Goldman Sachs and Charles Schwab. On Wednesday, Bank of America, PNG, and United Airlines. So it's going to be a fuller picture of what's happening in the US economy, some of the economically sensitive names. So that's going to be giving investors more to chew on how much they have been able to uh, cope with inflation, rising costs, labor problems. So all those things will be part of the conversation in the coming days. And we'll get a clearer picture of supply chain issues and their impact on these companies as well. On Friday, JP Morgan Chase reported better than expected earnings, but its shares were hammered, falling 6%. Wells Fargo, in contrast, dropped more than 3% after posting its results. So why the contrast? Why did Wells Fargo outshine JP Morgan Chase? I will put it down to expectations. So I am looking at... um, what we have for JP Morgan. And they, even though, beat expectations or beat estimates for both profit and revenue. Like you pointed out, shares are down more than 6%. And we have a bit of a gloomy outlook. CFO Jeremy Barnum from JP Morgan Chase warning that the company will likely miss a key profit target in the next two years. And I think that went some way to weighing on the stock. And if we look at what happened for Wells Fargo. Uh, we saw fourth quarter profit rise to $5.75 billion. Mm-hmm. And that is around one38 per share. And that beats expectations as well. On top of that, you've got the CEO saying that loan demand picked up in the second half of the year. So that is um, something that does will do well for Wells Fargo, which is more domestic orientated. So something that seems to be boosting Wells Fargo um, in its stock price. Before we check in on today's markets, a corporate headline really caught my eye. One of America's largest big box retailers, Walmart, is said to be quietly preparing to enter the metaverse. How so? Okay, so this is interesting. When Walmart does something, you can expect it to be big. So they (laughs) are making headway into the metaverse. And this is with the following of some patents. So what we have is um, reports showing that it is trying to create its own cryptocurrency and collection of non-fungible tokens. So it's trying to get several new trademarks to make and sell virtual goods such as electronics, decor, toys, sporting goods, personal care products, pretty much anything you might find in Walmart you could maybe find in the metaverse version of Walmart. And also trying to file for phrases... Verse to store, verse to curb, verse to home. So these are phrases they might use for their shopping services. So it does show they are 
positioning themselves for the metaverse. I'm not sure uh, when we will see this, but it is one of the many companies we've been seeing making progress with the virtual world. All right, before we check in on today's markets, a corporate headline caught my eye. Um, so do you think we're going to be sort of... Um Shopping in virtual Walmarts. I mean, Walmart has filed a number of applications for yeah. new trademarks. Uh, virtual sneakers. Is it? Do you think the to demand some extent, is there? We already do that, right? With online shopping, or Redmart or whatever grocery chain you use, your online shopping already. So maybe mm. it's just going to be more um, graphic in the sense that you can see yourself walking down the aisle, which actually is quite therapeutic. I enjoy. No, it's walking not. Down I the don't aisle. like getting <laughs> lost in a giant exploring store. what's on the shelf, and because of this part of the curation, right? How you might oh. maybe read a magazine, things are being laid out for you nicely, so you might discover things that you may, might not know have known about. So really? it is um, one of those experiential things uh, that you can, or some people enjoy. Perhaps. I mean, it was just a couple of years ago and I remember people, I was lining up somewhere for a festival and people came up to me and said, hey, do, do you buy your fresh vegetables online? And it just sounded incredibly ludicrous at the time. And that was the very start of Red Mart. And now I can't live without my Red Mart auto orders. You yeah, know? and soon you can't live on the metaverse or live out of the metaverse. Oh gosh, we'll have to see. We are 21 minutes into the local trading day. So how's the SDI trading this morning, Ryan? Is it adding on to last week's gain or is profit taking kicking in? All right, Michelle, so far so good. So we hmm. are up by 0.4%. So STI trading at 3,296. So knocking on the door of 3,300. And take a quick look at the... Um, STI, of course, that's near a one-year high right now. STI, just one counter in the red right now, and that is Gunting Singapore, down 0.6%. Otherwise, it's mostly in the green. Comfort Delgro, up 1.5%. Dairy Farm, also up by 1.5%. And you've got SIA, not too far behind. UOB, and that, of course, uh, worth noting, is up 1%. Uh, they made news on Friday for buying up four of Citibank's businesses in Asia. So that is something that is seeing UOB extend gains on its share price. Uh, also of noting, today we've got some headlines being made by Q&M Dental Group. Mm-hmm. And that is around how its unit um, is making or proposing exploring a NASDAQ listing. So this is Acumen Diagnostics. It is a company that specializes in COVID-19 testing. So something they are hiring UOBKHAN to explore this down the road. Not confirmed yet, but they are following this as one of those things they are looking at. So something they will be, um, something that we watch very closely. So something to track in the coming days. Also will be Yoma Strategic. And this is after they announced that their subsidiary Yoma MFS has entered into a new share purchase agreement with Telenor Group to buy the controlling interest in digital money Myanmar via a $53 million deal. Big one there. Thanks very much, Ryan Huang. Coming up, we speak with Tony Sycamore and we survey his expectations for the earnings season ahead. The ASX 200 and, of course, global markets. Do, can we expect global markets to move higher? We're going to check in with Tony Sycamore at 10.05, APEC analyst for City Index. He'll also share his uh, Bitcoin outlook with us. Heading towards 80,000 or expectations for it to sink below 30? We're going to find out. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app.
That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.